After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Thank you for tuning in to today's Baseball America College Podcast. Our college podcasts are sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ, helping health conscious people get lower rates on their life insurance. Visit healthiq.com slash BA to see if you qualify. Hey guys, that's uh, that's the voice of Mike Lanana right here. Uh, I'm joined by Teddy in Houston, Teddy Cahill. He was down there covering the Shriners College Classic, uh, a really exciting tournament down there. Teddy, how are you doing? It's uh, a beautiful day in Houston. Yeah, yeah. Um, we <laughs> we dropped our. Uh, it's it's beautiful in Durham, North Carolina as well. Uh, we dropped our our new college top twenty five today, um, powered by Louisville Slugger. And there really, uh, there really wasn't too much of a debate last night uh, as far as this poll on our, on our call. Uh, the first 17 teams stayed the same. They all did what they were supposed to do this week, um, so no need to tinker with that. Uh, we did drop out two teams. Uh, South Alabama, who was number 21, went 0-5 this week, um, albeit against very good competition, but they went 0-5, so we've dropped them out for the time being. UConn, the number 24 team, had a losing weekend. We dropped that them out as well. Brought in Coastal Carolina at number 24. Um, the national champions from 2016 are off to a really good start this year. And we brought in San Diego State as well, a team that you may not hear a lot about, but quietly has been having a very good start to the season and has played some good competition. It's 8-3 and three and has played a, a pretty stout schedule so far and done well. So we brought those two teams in. And otherwise, some moving and shaking in the back end, but not a lot, a whole lot changed here, Teddy. No, it didn't. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think last week we talked about how, you know, this, this might be a moving week that, that, you know, all these teams kind of were taking stuff up in terms of competition, and uh, we were looking forward to seeing what they would do and figured that there would, there would be some shakeups as a result. There, there were not, though, because everyone, everyone at the top end really took care of business, and a lot of them kind of took care of business emphatically. Uh, you know, they looked at what Texas Tech did, and Kentucky, and uh, you know, some teams like that. And, you know, they really, they really had loud weekends and, you know, stating their cases as Omaha favorites. Um, and so, yeah, it made, it makes for a, a rather chalky top 25. I, it, it does happen. I feel like it's happened once every, once a year, maybe, maybe twice a year that, that we look at it. And, see so many teams stay the same, but um, it was a little strange considering how tough the competition was, but I think that does show us a little bit that, you know, at this point in the season, the, the top teams, have, they've, they've really started very well, uh, almost almost completely uh, across the board, I would say. 
I'd like to say it means that uh, we got the preseason top 25 pretty much spot on, um, <laughs> at least so far. But I'm sure I'm sure there's obviously a lot's going to change as conference play starts. There's going to be some movement and shaking. But you mentioned two teams who had dominant weeks, Texas Tech. Um, they're, they're the reason South Alabama is out of the poll this week. Uh, they can thank Texas Tech for that. They sweeped South Al uh, in four games. Um, South Al also lost to Auburn during the week, a team that moved up a little bit in our poll um, after joining last week. And then you mentioned Kentucky, and, and you got to see Kentucky firsthand down in Houston. Uh, stacked field there. Again, it's always a great tournament down there with Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Houston, Sam Houston State, and Louisiana Lafayette. For you, what were sort of your big takeaways from this tournament? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it was it was impossible not to be impressed by what Kentucky did. Uh, you know, they really just rolled through uh, the tournament. Uh, you know, they uh, pitched it well, uh, hit it well, it fielded well. I mean, it, it, was, it was really going in all facets. Uh, you know, Nick Mangione pointed out that all three of the starters gave them six innings. Uh, and that was that was obviously big for them. And you know, then coming out of the bullpen, they just had so many power arms. Uh, you know, we, we knew all of this about Kentucky before, but you know, to see that happen uh, was was good for them. And they got back hockey back this week. Uh, he, he was making his debut. I, I guess that was uh, in the midweek, and then he came back and pitched again once on the weekend. Um, you know, he's a, a very highly talented junior college. Uh, transfer and um, he's been sidelined to start the season by injury, but he's back now. And you know, that just adds another power arm. And they didn't actually even have their best player here. Uh, you know, All American outfielder Tristan Pompe is uh, sidelined by a ankle injury. Uh, he was just limited to two pinch hitting appearances. They didn't want to you know, run too much. Um, you know, and their offense still just cruised right along. You know, Luke High always named MVP of the tournament. TJ Collette had a huge week. And, um, you know, when you put Pompey back in the lineup, it's, it's probably going to happen here in the next week. Um, it has incredible depth to it, and they can really beat you in a lot of different ways. And I, you know, I'm just coming out of this. And we we like Kentucky coming into the year, obviously coming out of it. Um, you know, it's hard not to, to look at what they've done to this point and, and not be impressed. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, it's a it's a team that you look at them on paper, really hard to find any holes. Um, and I haven't been able to see them firsthand yet this year like you have, but certainly to see what they did, it's not a terrible you know, a surprise to, to see what they did this weekend at that tournament, just given the depth that they have, um, the rotation fronted by Sean Jelly, uh, J.J. Cooper's favorite pitcher in college baseball, and uh, just uh, such a stout lineup. And, you know, it's impressive that they were able to put up the, the kind of run output that they did without Tristan Pompey, a, a guy who has obviously been very highly touted and, and hyped up by the, the scouting community coming into this year, and for good reason, a lot of talent there. Um, but as far as the rest of the field, um, it seemed like there was a lot of intrigue there. It seemed like Sam Houston State had a, had a good tournament. Obviously, Mississippi State has gone through a lot of turmoil so far earlier this year. Um, seemed like a good showing for the, for the Bulldogs. I mean, what was your take on the rest of the field beyond the Wildcats? Yeah, I thought... Um... Mississippi State also went undefeated down here. That was so huge for them, um, just because you know, they've been on the road now for three weeks, and this was the end of that road trip. They're going home now, uh, and, and sort of close it out in that fashion was big for them. You know, they're still uh, they, they, they really pitched very well. Uh, Connor Wilkinson struck out 13 on Friday night. 
they got pretty good starts from Ethan Small and Jacob Billingsley. Uh, they had some, some pretty good arms coming out of the bullpen. They're, they're still trying to fight it a little bit offensively. Uh, they, uh, I'll, I'll have to look to see exactly how many runners they left on base, but I would not be surprised if the total was more than 25 on the weekend. Um, and that's, that has good and bad things. I mean, that means you're, you're paying a lot of guys on, but you, you got to find a way to, to bring a few more of those runners home. Uh, but, you know, they come out of it with three wins, three good wins, and, uh, you know, I think they're feeling, I know they're feeling uh, a lot better about themselves. They go back to Starkville now, um, and, and they're just excited to, to be home. You know, they, uh, they've been on the road, and I think it was, I think they told me that they spent 30 hours on the bus uh, wow. in the last couple of weeks, and that, that doesn't count. Yeah, that's just bus time. That doesn't count the, the time that's been flying. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a lot, uh, you know, the, the, the ballpark construction is the reason for that, um, so that they're going back home, they're excited to play in the new park, they're excited to play in Starkville for the first time this season, uh, and they're feeling good about themselves, and, and, you know, I think they should be, those are three pretty good teams that they, they beat down here. Um, you know, as for the rest of the field, Vanderbilt, um, you know, I, I think it was good for their young freshmen to kind of get this stage for the first time. And I think they're going to learn from, uh, from, from the weekend. And, and Sam Houston, you know, I, they won on Friday. They beat Vanderbilt on a walk-off. Uh, they weren't quite able to find another win the rest of the weekend. But I, I think that team's good. And I think they're going to win a lot of games. Um, you know, it, it was a chance for them to really make a statement if they could have gotten a second win against an SEC team. But I think that, you know, we, we have the Southland favorites at the end of the season. That's a, a super regional team from a year ago. I think they're going to be uh, a dangerous team all season long again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly uh, a very good field there in that tournament. And, you know, there were a few good tournaments uh, around the country. There's also the, the Frisco um, College Classic as well um, with some good competition there in California and Baylor and Texas A&M and Louisiana Tech there. Um, Louisiana Tech picked up a, an upset against Texas A&M in the first game there, um, which certainly, I mean, Texas A&M hadn't lost before then, so that, that caught me by surprise. Um, but in general, there weren't a lot of upsets around the country at all this week. It was, it was pretty much, a, as our poll reflects, a cut-and-dry kind of week in college baseball. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're looking at it, and coming into Sunday, you know, both South Carolina and Southern Cal had a chance to score top ten upsets. I think that was it, though, uh, and they both fell short. Uh, both those games wound up being pretty close, ultimately. Uh, you know, Southern Cal uh, was winning late against uh, Arkansas. They're fighting a, a travel uh, curfew, and, um, so it wound up only being an eight-inning game, and Arkansas winds up walking it off uh, to, to get a, a solid series win. But you know, the Trojans are even three, and, uh, you know, that was, a, that was a nice showing this weekend with Arkansas. Too bad for them that they weren't able to finish a series win that would have been huge for them. But you know, I I think a lot of us kind of had just kind of you know, looked at that. That oh, that's a pretty young team. The team that hasn't made the tournament in the last couple of years. You know, I don't really know what to make of it. But you know, I I I was intrigued by what what happened this weekend, and you know, I'm going to see them next weekend in the Dodger Stadium Classic, and they're going to be playing some pretty tough competition there as well. So. Be looking forward to seeing how the Trojans handle that. But as for South Carolina, Mike, uh, obviously you were you were there at the Clemson series, the, the fun Reedy River 
rivalry. Did, did I say that right? Uh, it, it's impo- um, it's impossible to say that right. The Reedy <laughs> River rivalry. It's it's a tongue twister. It's it's impossible. You can type it out. You can't say it. It's impossible. It's a tongue twister, but it's also a fantastic college baseball series year after year. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. And I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But first, um, a word from our sponsor, Health IQ. How would you like to save money for being active and physically fit? Like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com BA or call one 800 549-1664 to talk to a Health IQ agent. Mention the promo code BA for savings. Okay, Reedy River Rivalry. That's the last time I'm going to say that on this podcast because <laughs> it, I'm amazed that I've been able to say it three times without getting tongue twisted. The, the series, as always, uh, had a lot of intrigue, several storylines, a lot of drama. The obvious big storyline coming into it was the changing of the guard at South Carolina with Mark Kingston as head coach coming from South Florida after Chad Holbrook walked away and went to college at Charleston. I, I had a chance to sit down with Mark Kingston before the series and I'll be working on a, a piece. So stay tuned for that on, on baseballamerica.com and in the magazine. But, you know, Mark, Mark Kingston had, had yet to participate in the South Carolina Clemson rivalry, he had never been to a game, had never experienced it other than just watching film. And, uh, you know, he got a great introduction to it on Friday night. It was a wild game. Adam Hill for South Carolina looked the best I've ever seen him. He's a junior right-hander, um, a guy who's always had stuff, has always had the fastball, but don't always see the, the secondary offerings from him. And he really carved through Clemson. He had a no-hitter. He took it into the sixth inning. Um, at one point early in the game, he struck out seven batters in a row. Uh, he was touching 95 sitting consistently in the low 90s, working quickly, pounding hitters inside, showing good feel for a changeup um, in the mid-80s, um, had good arm side movement to it, um, a slider as well, a, a pitch that he used a lot for a lot of swings and misses, and he was filthy. He, he finished with 14 strikeouts in seven innings. Of course, the man who broke up his no-no was none other than Seth Beer, uh, the, a guy who has really stepped up in a lot of big moments for Clemson over the years, not just in the South Carolina series, but especially in the South Carolina series. He's, he's homered four times against South Carolina over these last three years, and he stepped up in a big way on Friday night. But South Carolina fought back. Matt Williams had a big pinch hit home run. He's a senior, hasn't had a lot of playing time over the years. But he stepped up, he hit a home run to tie it, and then they ended up walking off on a TJ Hopkins sack fly to end that game. And the first game of the Mark Kingston era against Clemson ended with the win. From there, Clemson reclaimed, reclaimed the series. They won the next day, and they, they won it on the rubber game at Clemson on Sunday. They've, they've now won it for four straight years, and that's, that's really an impressive feat given how historically good both these teams are and how fierce this rivalry is. Um, that's nothing to sneeze at, and it, and it says a lot about the job that Monty Lee has done. Um, he's been at the helm for the last three years in, in establishing that streak. 
But the thing that really stood out to me is looking at South Carolina, even though they dropped the series, on Sunday, they were down 6 nothing early. Um, they were down 6 nothing after four innings. And they didn't give up. They continued to fight. Um, TJ Hopkins hit the guy who had the walk-off sack fly on Friday night. He hit a three-run home run to cut the lead in half to 6-3. And then they, they kept scratching and clawing away. And against Riley Gilliam, Clemson's closer, he's, he's really good. Uh, he's, he's up to, you know, 95, 96. He's got a hammer-breaking ball. Really good. A top prospect. He blew the save. And you have to, you have to give South Carolina hitters credit for uh, working deep at bats against him for not chasing at his filthy breaking ball and for staying tough and staying focused. They tied the game. Um, it was LT Tolbert with a big hit, a, a double that uh, brought them within one and uh, eventually they, they would tie it. And Clemson came back and won. Uh, Drew Wharton was the hero. He had a double off the wall that won the game. But South Carolina you know, they were feeling good after this. Mark Kingston said he learned a lot about his team, the way they fought. And LT Tolbert had a, a very interesting statement after the game uh, in regard to Mark Kingston and, and last year's team. He said, last year's team wouldn't have done that. I think that starts at the top. Coach Kingston, I'll go to war with that guy any day. I think everybody feels the same. There's a different feel this year when we get down. It's not the same. We're battling back. There's never a doubt in our mind or a lack of confidence, and I think that starts with Coach Hankson. That's obviously a uh, it's an interesting comment. Uh, I'm not sure if there's uh, anything there directed toward Chad Holbrook, who uh, coincidentally won a series, not only won the series, swept Georgia um, a, a, as the head coach at College of Charleston this weekend, which was uh, a pretty big statement by College of Charleston, but very interesting that this team has already seemed to buy into Mark Kingston. Um, he's a guy who's very, very even keeled, um, someone who kind of similar to Monty Lee uh, at, at Clemson, someone who, whether the team wins or loses, you're going to get a similar uh, personality, similar, similar mindset after the game. Um, a guy who's not going to panic, and it seems like he's a really good fit for this team and exactly what they need right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not really surprising to me that they would have bought into to Kingston's philosophy already. I mean, he's an incredible coach, and uh, he's had success everywhere he's gone, and that's part of the reason why I think he's, you know, a big part of the reason why I think he's going to have success at South Carolina. But, um, you know, it's certainly, you know, it, it's interesting to see, it's interesting to hear Elsie Tolbert say that. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how South Carolina progresses this year. Um, you know, I... On some level, I, I feel like, you know, yes, it's it's really really good that they came back. It's good that they fought through it, but you know, the result is at the end of the day the same. And South Carolina, I, I guess on, on Friday they won the close game, but you know, last year their problem was close games. And you know, I, I don't know. I I, I you were there, uh, so I, I'm interested in, in your feeling on that. But you know, it, it just seems to me that. You know, this team maybe is still kind of learning a little bit how to kind of win these close games. Yeah, no, I, I think there's no question. Um, you know, I think the fact that, you know, it, last year and, and maybe in years past, you know, if they fell behind 6 nothing at like they did on Sunday, I, I think LT Tolbert 
in a lot of ways is right. You know, I don't remember that kind of fierce comeback. You know, a, a lot of times if they fell behind early, you didn't really see that resurgence late in the game. Um, they still need to figure it out. There's no question that they need to figure out ways to win because that's that's how Clemson won this series. They they didn't play a perfect series. There were a lot of mistakes. There are some uncharacteristic errors. They didn't pitch well at times, but they found ways to to claw back and to win, and they found a way to win Sunday. So it's not taking anything away from Clemson. They they won the series. They earned the series. You know, with, with South Carolina, I think. You know, this team, just looking at the roster this year, I, I do think it's somewhat of a transitional year. I think there's there's really, a, I mean, there's a reason we didn't rank them in the top 25. There are a lot of question marks on that roster. I do have a, a lot of questions about their lineup in particular. There really aren't a lot of hitters in that lineup that, that scare you as a pitcher. Um, guys that they're counting on, like Carlos Cortez, for instance, he's really struggled so far this year. They, they need him to be a middle-of-the-order bat. Um, he really caught fire in the second half last year and, and carried them offensively, and they, they need that guy to return. He's He just looks a little bit out of sorts at the plate right now. Um, they need a guy like Jacob Olsen. I mean, he hit the ball on the, on the screws all weekend, but had very little to show for it, kept flying out to the warning track. Um, they need him to turn it around. He leads the team with four home runs, but he's batting under 200 at this point. So... Um, you know, they, they just need to find a way to put things together offensively. They do have some really interesting arms. Uh, Adam Hill, as I mentioned, was really good for them. And really, I think he, he could have made himself some money on Friday night with the scouting presence that was there and the kind of performance he showed. That's back-to-back starts where he's taken a no-hitter deep and he struck out 14, and that's going to get the job done. You know, Cody Morris struggled a bit on Saturday, but he's got... He's got similar stuff to Adam Hill. He he's just has to take that jump as far as locating with his fastball and mixing in his secondary offerings. And then uh, their, their Sunday starter was a freshman, um, Gilreath. His name is John Gilreath, and he's a left-hander. And he was, he was impressive. Even though he ended up giving up six runs, you could see the makings of a solid SEC starter in there with the way he was commanding his fastball. He had a really good changeup. So they have some pieces there. But, you know, a lot of turnover. Anytime you lose guys like Clark Schmidt and Will Crow and, you know, got Tyler Johnson in the back end of the bullpen, it's going to be hard to, to replace those guys. So it, it is a, a bit of a transitional year for them, and obviously with the change at the top too. But, um, you know, if I'm a South Carolina fan, I, I'm even though they didn't win the series, I'm still encouraged with how they, they hung tough and, and stayed with Clemson. Yeah, and, you know, I, I'm – I'm also interested in you know, ACC play starts this week. FCC play starts a week later, but ACC play starts this week. And you know, at this point, Clemson is clearly one of the favorites in that conference, right? I mean, to me, you know, I think Florida State is 11 and 0. They're number three in the country. You know, clear cut favorite at this point. But you know, you look around. North Carolina's struggling out of the gate. Louisville hasn't played anyone yet. We really don't know what to expect. The Cardinals. Um, Virginia's kind of They've been winning, but they've been kind of doing it in a struggling manner, I guess. Um, it's a poor way to phrase that, but you know, it, it hasn't been it hasn't been easy for the the, the Cavs. And um, you know, I mean, that kind of at, at this point, the way Clemson's playing, I mean, did did they look like a conference favorite to you? I think so. I, I think so. I mean, clearly, we we love the lineup. We love the lineup coming into this year, and it's a it's a scary lineup. Um, you know, Seth Beer was intentionally walked a few times, but even after him, 
Patrick Cromwell, um, a guy who was a JUCO transfer last year, he started as their starting third baseman and lost the job to Grayson Bird. He he's been on a tear to start the year. He he homered yesterday, had a big two-run single, flipped his bat uh, running down the line. He has some swagger to him. He's been really big for them so far. Chris Williams, having him back this year, he, he's a a catcher who. Many thought was going to be leaving in the draft last year. He ended up having shoulder surgery. He's been playing first base so far this year. But his bat is is huge in the middle of that lineup. Logan Davidson is a great table setter. He walked eight times this weekend, won MVP of the series. Seems like his bat is getting going. He hit a, a laser to right field for a home run. I mean, those are just the, the top four hitters. And, and then you have a guy like Robert Jolly, a senior who, you know, not a guy who's going to get a lot of pro love but a very dependable, very good college hitter. A guy like Drew Gordon, who's also a senior, a senior who had the walk-off hit, you know, in the same kind of boat as, as Jolly, someone who's dependable, a very good college player. And then the pitching staff, I, I was, you know, I didn't know what to make of the rotation coming into this weekend just because it's an entirely new rotation compared to last year. Um, you know, Jacob Hennessy, the, the Friday guy at this point, doesn't have blow it by you stuff. But he pounds the strike zone. Uh, he commands it well. Kind of reminds me, in some ways, it's somewhat similar to what Pat Crawl did for them. You know, he's not going to blow up radar guns, but he's going to throw strikes and keep you in the game. But behind him, Brooks Crawford looked good on Saturday. He's, you know, he's a, a right-hander, 88 to 91. Good feel for his changeup. He's going to throw strikes. You know, he's a guy who is going to be efficient and can go deep into a game. And I think the best guy in the bunch is Jake Higginbotham, who has been hurt. Um, he was a big-name guy coming in. He didn't pitch at all last year, but he looked very good on Sunday. Uh, he was strong early. He touched 94. He's a left-hander. Um, he was sitting in the low 90s early on um, with uh, you know, a really big 11-5 curveball um, in the upper 70s and a, and a decent changeup as well. Um, he, you know, he lost a little bit of, of gas uh, near, near the middle innings when he gave up that home run to TJ Hopkins. His velocity was down a little bit. He was leaving the ball up. I think it might be a case of him still building his strength back up. But if he's able to stay healthy and put it all together, I mean, to me, that's the Friday guy. That's the ace. Um, I'm all about him. I, I really yeah. like him coming out of high school. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of was waiting for it to, to click for him, and so far, so good. Yeah, he's he's been very good, and I was very impressed at my first look at him. And I think, you know, barring health, of course, I think he's going to keep it up. And then you look at what they have in the bullpen. I mean, to me, Clemson is a complete team. If Especially if Higginbotham is going to pitch like that, they're a complete team and a scary team because then you have Riley Gilliam, who, granted, blew the save on Sunday and has been a little shaky to start the year. But he's got really knockout stuff. Um, really lights out. He's proven in the past how valuable he can be. I think he's going to turn that around. And then they have other guys, you know, Spencer Strider, a freshman in the bullpen, who's up to 96 with a killer breaking ball. He's a guy who could be a factor. And really just a lot of different looks in that pen. So they're a complete team. Monty Lee has done such an outstanding job there. They've played uh, of of their, their uh, they've only lost one game this year. They played in six one-run games. They're 10-1. And they've won all, oh, they played in seven one-run games, excuse me, and they've won six of them. So that's what you need to do to be a winning team, and they've shown that they can do that so far. So, yeah, I think they're really a, a team to beat with a, in the ACC along with Florida State. Yeah, I'm going to be looking forward to the start of ACC play next week. I mean, it's, uh, I, 
you know, I, they, they start a week earlier than everyone else because they have to throw a bye week in there. Um, but it's, it's, an it's an intriguing weekend that includes uh, North Carolina and Louisville, two teams that you know, won their divisions last year. Uh, and, you know, we're kind of looking for answers on both of those teams. I, I'm very intrigued to see that series. But you know, we're, we're getting into it. And, and this, this next weekend is a, another great weekend all over the place. You know, Texas Tech, Kentucky, we mentioned already. Louisville, North Carolina. You know, Stanford, Texas, those are those three top 25 matchups. So, you know, this week I feel very comfortable saying that there will be changes in the top 25 <laughs> because <laughs> we have we have these teams, we have three top 25 series. So minimally, that's going to lead to some change there. Um, you know, and then in the, the Dodger Stadium, uh, that three of the four teams are ranked. So, again, something has to give there. So I, I think this week, uh, as conference play gets started for the ACC and the last week before it gets started for most of the rest of the major conferences, uh, I, I think we're, we are going to, to see some, we're, we are going to learn some more things about some of these teams. Yeah, I mean, I think it's inevitable. Um, although, I mean, I guess we were wrong about this past week, but I, I do think I agree with you that this week we are going to see more movement. And I expect our, our call on Sunday when we, we talk about our top 25 and rank these teams to be a lot more difficult and a bit more heated than last night's where it essentially just started with, okay, so we're good through 17, right? <laughs> so, yeah, no, without a doubt, I think this, this next week we're going to learn more about a lot of these teams. Um, I think the, the Texas Tech-Kentucky series is really interesting to me because both teams are red hot. I mean, Texas Tech, what they did in uh, sweeping South Bowl, because South Al is obviously a very good team, a team that we had in our top 25 since the preseason. So that was a very impressive performance, and you detailed Kentucky's impressive performance as well. So to see those two teams go to head-to-head -head, head -head is going to be a lot of fun. Stanford-Texas is going to be a lot of fun, too. Um, I expect some low-scoring games given the pitching on both sides there. And Texas really needs a good showing, I think. You know, they've been shaky a little bit early on. Um, you know, they, they started off the season well, but th this past weekend, you know, had to battle back to, to salvage a series. So we'll, we'll see how they do against Stanford, who's red hot at, at this point. So I'm excited for this weekend. I'm excited that ACC play is starting. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun action, a lot of great players, a lot of great draft prospects going at it, too. So it, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned... Um, you know some of these uh, some of these major conferences getting going. It's hard to believe that Mountain West has already started conference play. And, you know when I was when we were going in and looking at San Diego State yesterday to consider ranking them, and then, then obviously we did. You know just the seeing that they're already playing conference series is kind of kind of insane. But you know that's uh, that's that's college baseball. You, there's no preseason. You just got to get right into it. Exactly. Um, I also wanted to mention we had a couple more no hitters. Missouri threw a combined no-hitter on Friday with uh, Bryce Montez de Oca leading the way. And then Nebraska-Omaha yesterday, uh, Peyton Kinney uh, threw a, threw a no-hitter against Ohio. So the, the season of the no-hitter is uh, continuing. We're, I, think, I think we're up to nine nationally at this point. I, I've stopped counting um, just because there have been so many. And that's, that says a lot, though. It, it says a lot that, you know, it's, it's hard to – you can't keep track on one hand of how many no-hitters there have been so far. So – uh, a lot of great pitching out there, um, but there's a, lo a lot of great hitters out there too. So I, I don't expect this trend to continue, but we'll we'll see. I, I could be wrong on that. Yeah, who knows? Uh, it'll it'll be one of the things we're watching. Uh, there's a lot to to watch this week. Uh, you know, we, we mentioned some of these 
these big series coming up, and uh, you know we're, we're all very excited for that. But Mike, did you uh, did you have any more takeaways from uh, from the weekend that was? Uh, you know, I think uh, the the conference that I always find myself coming back to is is the American, just because it's it's really it's the Rubik's cube of college baseball uh, because I can't figure it out. Um, I, I Wichita State is eight and one right now. They're the newcomer in the conference. They're they're playing really well. They're a team that we discussed possibly for the top twenty five. Um, ECU after doing what they did against North Carolina. They struggled this weekend at the Keith LeClaire Classic. They lost two games. Not sure what to make of that at this point. UCF obviously is in our top 25, doing well. Connecticut struggled a little bit this weekend. And then you saw Houston, um, you know, a team that we really like, but, you know, didn't fare as well as they would have hoped in that tournament in Houston. So I, I really don't know what to make of this conference still. I'm excited to see how it shakes out. And, um, you know, so that's that's kind of what I'm watching going forward. They don't start conference play for a little while still, um, just because it's a little bit of a smaller conference, but it is a fun one to watch. What about you? Is yeah, it, and, sorry. You know, I, while we're talking about that, I just want to mention Wichita State 8-1, and one, and they are, as we figured they would, they were, they're just crushing the ball. Alec Bohm and, and Grayson Jennison are, are doing exactly what we thought they would do. And, um, it's not been bad competition for the most part either. It, you know, they swept McNeese State on the road, and that was a team that, you know, won the Southland regular season last year. And um, then this weekend, they, they uh, took two out of three against Nebraska, and they very nearly swept that series. So, I mean, I, I think I thought it was a very impressive weekend uh, for, from Wichita State. And, and you know, it's, uh, it's an intriguing start to the season uh, from, from them. Uh, and, and, and as you detailed, the, the rest of the conference. Uh, for me this weekend, though, I, I was impressed um, – by what Illinois did up in uh, the Dairy Queen Classic. You know, they had a Big Ten Pac-12 challenge. Illinois was the only team that went undefeated up there. They beat, they beat UCLA, they beat Arizona, they beat Washington. They were winning close games. They've, got, they've won five in a row now. And, um, talked to Dan Hartlib last night. And, you know, it, it seems like, you know, we, I, I figured this team, this, this Illini team, would be better this year. Uh, they, they were pretty young last year. And, um, they were very close uh, in, to, you know, winning a lot, a lot more games. You know, they're they're in some very tight games, but they, they and they finished just on the wrong side of the Big Ten tournament bubble a year ago. Well, this year, you know, I mean, they've won five in a row. They've got some some good quality wins already, and there's still a couple weeks here to to build some more momentum going into the conference season. And I think the Illini, um, you know, they're they're playing very well right now, and you know, they've only made two errors all season. It's kind of unbelievable that a Northern team would have that kind of success, you know, when you consider that they, uh, you know, they're playing all these games in, in different environments. They haven't played a, a game at home yet. And obviously it's a little more limited what they can do in the preseason, but they're, they've come out and they feel it really well. And they've got some good pitching and they've got enough hitting and they're, uh, they're just rolling right along right now. And, you know, in, in a year in the Big Ten where it looks to be a little open after Indiana, um, you know, you got Michigan so young, Nebraska struggling out of the gate and struggling with some injuries. You know, I think the Illini are kind of positioning themselves to, to jump up and, you know, again, be, be one of the top teams in the conference, as they are so often. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a really strong program that had a couple uh, years that are subpar for it, but I, I think the Illini might be back this season and, and, and might be ready to, to challenge uh, the, again at the top of the Big Ten. Yeah, no, that's certainly a, a very interesting team, and you and you wrote about them and, and off the bat, so make sure you check that out on BaseballAmerica.com if you haven't 
check that out yet. Um, yeah, I mean, the Illini a couple of years ago, I remember going up to Ohio State and catching them there when they were really on that tear, um, ended up being a, a super regional team going up against Vanderbilt, you know, the team where they had Tyler J. Um, you know, a guy who would end up going in the first round to the Minnesota twin, Twins. You figured with, with that coaching staff and what they had accomplished beforehand that they would be they would be back into contending shape. And maybe this is the year, as you said. I mean, there could be a window here with, with the Big Ten a little uncertain right now behind Indiana. So um, very interesting to see there, and, and we'll see if they can continue that as conference play approaches here. Yeah, and speaking of Indiana, just, uh, I've been very impressed with them. They're 9-2. They went out to San Diego this weekend, won three games against a Torero team that had been very hot going in. They won six straight going into that series. Um, and the, the Hoosiers really, really cooled the, them off this weekend. And, um, you know, I think Indiana just keeps cruising along. And um, there's so much power, so much speed in that offense, such a dynamic offense that, you know, I, I really like what, what I've seen from so far this year. Definitely, definitely. Well, Teddy, I know you have a, a flight to catch uh, pretty soon now down there in Houston, so we'll let you go. We appreciate you, as always, uh, being part of this podcast. Um, I, I'm Mike Lanana uh, here at the Durham office of Baseball America. Um, thank you to all of you for listening, as always, and please feel free to tweet at us and ask us questions. I'm at mlanana. Um, Teddy, you're at, at Ted Cahill uh, on Twitter. Feel free to trash talk. If you don't like our top 25, go for it. We're, we're here for it. So um, thank you for tuning in to today's Baseball America College podcast. Our po- college podcasts are sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ helps health-conscious people get lower rates on their life insurance. Visit healthiq.com to see if you qualify.